everybody, welcome to Gay Sex Podcast, episode 11. This is your host, Dean Sage. I'm joined as always by my two co-hosts, A.D. Cooper and Evan J. Xavier. Hey guys, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? I, I'm, I'm knee-deep in, in work, and I, I guess you're knee-deep in work too, but um, you got some sort of new release, is that right? Yeah, I actually finally did what I wanted to do for a long time, my first uh, clergy erotica. So, oh, no. Yeah. Yes. Now, um, Jesus clergy or like modern-day clergy? Modern day, modern day. Oh, so okay. it's, uh, it's called "Forgive Me." I wanted to, I wanted to title it "Forgive Me, Father, for I Continue to, to Sin," but um, that might that be a little bit long. Too long. Too yeah. long. And a little long. And the cover, the guy has really nice abs, so I kind of really wanted to kind of showcase that. So it's just called "Forgive Me," and uh, it's about you know taboo things. You know, there's a cousin involved. There's a hot oh, priest that's modeled after uh, Clive Owen. So it's. Uh, pretty hot so you should check it out cool cool um yeah well I've, I've i'm in the middle of the loan release and actually um my it's, it's interesting i'm totally surprised but my my summer fling book which is kind of fun in summary and it's the non-exclusive one that i released um pretty much under new adult i didn't know that it was going to do that well because there's a lot of white girl angst out there right now but apparently two hot guys <laughs> one of them being a porn star pool boy is uh, entertaining some people so no, I'm just I'm, I'm busy. Like I have to finish up part two of Loan in like the next eight hours so I can get it to TLA. Um, so yeah, busy there. How about you, Addy? What's going on with you? Uh, you know, just regular stuff. Um, yeah, I have a lot of preschool things to take care of. Pre is in before school, months. not preschool is in like three year olds. <laughs> no, <laughs> pre September. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's just a shit ton of stuff to do. So and, no, no sexy taboo coming out of your pen anytime soon? Um, There might be something. I'm working on stuff. It's just, um, you know, that that's not priority right now. Priority is to get ready for September. I got to move in two months, so well, we're, this it's not is really, fun. This is really cool because this is we're, we're 11 episodes in so far. Um, we just did our first special last week with Jake Bass and Mike and Craig. Um, we've got a couple awesome things coming down the pipeline. Um, and so to kick off the uh, the second half of the summer, we have an amazing guest. Um, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and let Evan do the introduction because Evan was the one that introduced me to him and his work. So Evan, who's our guest tonight? Uh, it's uh, the awesome Sal Bardot, director and screenwriter. Um, I actually found Sal by accident <laughs> while Googling. I was on Kickstarter and I saw his Kickstarter for his film Chaser, which is pretty taboo you know I was making these rounds and the fest at the festivals and uh, one of my readers we kind of started you know discussing Sal in the movie and I was like I need to find out more about this guy and I started stalking him on Twitter you know <laughs> and um you know checking out this you know as you stream do. As you do. His face as I always do and I was like oh he's cute too <laughs> the glasses and everything. I don't have a lot of uh Twitter followers by the way so if anyone wants to follow me Oh, there we go. What's your Twitter handle? Let's get it out there. Uh, it's just Sal Bardo. S. And by the, way, by the way, it is Bardo, not Bardo, because I'm not I'm Italian, not French. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's just Sal Bardo. And um, I, uh, I, I found that I have a hard time finding a use for Twitter. So I feel like if I have more followers, I might use it more often. So. Well, you okay, use it go. great because he doesn't, he doesn't over-tweet. He just I, I definitely do not over-tweet, yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't... I, um, yeah. It's self-promotion, really. I mean, at this point, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, Twitter's, like, Twitter's an interesting thing. We've been we've been getting the the gay sex cast up on Twitter a little bit more, and uh, we're actually running um, a couple of Twitter campaigns at the moment. 
Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting little medium. And then I was just talking, I was actually helping a friend out today who kind of got backsided by this really bitchy DM. Um, and it's just like every once in a while you're like, oh my gosh, like opening yourself up to every single person in the world to go ahead and send you whatever they want to send you does seem a little bit, um, daunting at times, but yeah, we're doing, what, we're working on yeah. it. We're trying to get a good presence up there. Sorry. Go ahead, Evan. That's why the block, but the, the, um, block button is exactly. Your that's why I said, I said, you just so. block it. You block, you block it. You get rid of it. Don't pay attention. Um, yeah. actually, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I know I keep going back to Kyle Ross and you guys are going to totally make fun of me next week. Just wait. But, um, the, uh, it's not, by the way, it's not Kyle Ross next week, but he actually got on, on one of his podcasts. And he's like, listen, don't go on Twitter and create drama. I don't want to open up my Twitter stream and see drama. And I think that should be the golden rule of Twitter. I mean, no drama. Just just leave and, it alone. And no needless advertisements. Well, yeah, there is that. Oh, my well, God. Like, there are about... people that I had to, like, you know, unfollow just because, like, all I get are ads. Well, Sal, I mean, you're kind of with us in a way. You're, you're in indie. You're, you're doing this stuff on your own. Um, it, that's kind of an interesting question. Like, how do you get out there and promote yourself? And what sort of the, what does indie gay film like, making look like right now? Well, but first I get, before I get into that, I just want to mention someone, I guess you mentioned clergy erotica earlier. And um, <laughs> yeah, we could talk I, about that all day long, believe us. Well, but I just want to mention that I was actually in a film. I'm an actor as well. And I was a few years ago, I was in um, a film called Eulogy for a Vampire, which is uh, by director Patrick McGuinn. Um, and it's sort of a vampire zombie gay film that takes place at a monastery. So Ooh. I played a, I played a young seminary student who kills his best friend in a rage of lust. <laughs> how, how did you kill him i'm sorry how did i well you have to see the movie oh oversexed okay. <laughs> there we go. To death. um yeah no there there yeah there wasn't i mean there's some you know there's like a masturbation scene and like a sort of uh goat blood ritual oh. scene that i'm in but I, i'm not actually in any sex scenes but um sorry uh, <laughs> Well, actually, I was going to mention that, uh, but Patrick is, is um, you know, he's a gay filmmaker. He's been around for, for several years, and he's done um, some some great films, and one of which was is Sunkissed, which is a film from a few years ago. And I so then when I met Patrick and then I worked on Eulogy for a Vampire, his uh, director of photography, Nicholas Rossi, that's how I met Nicholas, and Nicholas ended up shooting um, my, my past, my previous film, Sam, as well as Chaser, so... Um, I think that at the you know the gay community in terms of filmmaking is the filmmaking community is um, you know it's pretty tight knit and people work with each other and we meet each other at festivals and I think that it's it's getting much broader and I think it's um, I'm I'm really happy to be a part of it right now. Is there a lot of um, like brotherhood? I feel like a better word brotherhood or, or working together or is there some competition and some you know um, I don't know friendly that... competition. No, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there's always competition, obviously. I mean, we're all trying to get into the same festivals and, you know, there's a limited amount of space and stuff like that. But no, I mean, it's definitely, there's definitely a camaraderie and there's actually in New York, um, Ira Sachs, the filmmaker, um, you know, mm -hmm. he curates Queer Art Film, which is a, you know, they do film screenings and they do uh, mixers and networking events and stuff like that, which I've attended. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like it's, it's definitely, uh, especially in New York, I mean, depending on what city you're in, I know that LA has its own scene. Um, but, I, you know, I can only speak for New York and, you know, I've met some great filmmakers and, you know, we talk shop and compare ideas and, um, you know, if we need crew or actors, I mean, we're all working together and we just want to make good films. So. 
Well, this is something that our audience may not be as familiar with because, um, like, for instance, uh, Sean Lockhart is out there and he's got a couple films. He's actually got a film at, at QFest premiering and then a couple other festivals. But the whole idea of this festival circuit, um, right. can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, so you make this movie, then what does the next year look like for you after you kind of get the movie in the can and it's ready to show? Um, how, how Take us through that that process of the festival circuit. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly new to it. I mean, I, I've been only, I mean, I've been acting and stuff like and writing for, for years, but I've only really been directing for, for three years, uh, for about three or four years. And so I'm on my third short. So I'm finally getting a little bit of the hang of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically you just spend <laughs> at least, you know, a year of your time submitting because, every, you know, they all have, they have rolling, you know, each festival has its own deadlines and and they all take place throughout the year so you if you're organized like i am you have a database of all of the festivals whether they're lgbt festivals or mainstream festivals and you know you you make a list of the festivals that you think your film is appropriate for or that your previous films have played at and um you find out what their deadlines are and you submit your films and uh you hope that they get in and then when they do if you're if you're fortunate enough uh, to be able to afford it, you can, you know, fly out to LA, which I did last year for Outfest. And uh, I just got back from Palm Springs for the Palm Springs International Short Fest. Um, and then on Sunday, Max uh, Riser, my lead actor and co-producer on Chaser, uh, will be at QFest for the screening of Chaser. So it's a great way to, you know, sort of see different parts of the country that you may not otherwise have a chance to go to. Um, and you meet new filmmakers and it's, a, you know, depending on the festival, there's some really great festivals and there's not so great festivals, but mm -hmm. the, the good ones, you know, Outfest is a great one. I mean, I had a, I was there for a week and it was really just nonstop, um, you know, meeting with people and talking with people and, you know, having a great time. So now, so is there, I, I you know, the LGBT that, you know, they have their own festivals is are gay films represented a lot in the quote unquote mainstream. Festivals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's much less of them. But I mean, my very first short, the very first festival that my first short requited uh, played at three years ago was Seattle International Film Festival. And that's a big mainstream festival. Um, at the time, I was a little disappointed because they packaged my short with a bunch of other gay shorts, um, which mm -hmm. often they do. And, you know, as a filmmaker, you kind of want your film to reach the biggest audience it can so I, I wanted it to play with maybe some more mainstream quote-unquote straight films um but ultimately it's a great it, it was a great it was a smart move because the entire theater was packed so mm -hmm. if you're a mainstream festival and you have one or two gay programs um you're going to attract that community in that city so sort of like a little mini gay festival at okay. a mainstream festival and then with these festivals, are they like, you know, awards that you win or I mean, what, what's the, I know it's a yeah, exposure yeah. as well, but are they like awards? Yeah, yeah. They each, you know, each festival has their own thing. They have, uh, you know, the jury awards, which is, you know, the programmers of the festival award their favorite films. And they often have audience awards, which my first film won an audience award at uh, Real Affirmations, which is the Washington DC LGBT film festival. Um, so yeah, I mean that's and that's you know you don't really do it for the awards, but it's that's mm -hmm. always a nice little thing if that happens. So. Yeah, recognition is nice. I mean, I could care less about awards, but it's more or less about getting it out there for people to see. Yeah, I mean that's the goal, yeah. right? I mean to to yeah. get your work heard or, or read or seen, and that's sort of the, the goal. Well, this is kind of interesting, you know, especially because we see a lot of gay going into the mainstream. Um, there's this 
interesting, and I love, I mean, I absolutely love this, but there's this interesting back uh, reaction where, um, and it, it, I guess it might have happened to you, I hear, but it also just recently, this week, happened to Lycan, one of our, um, our fellow guest co-hosts, and she had a, a straight man who read um, her book, and then because of her interview with Jake Bass, um, also sort of checked out Jake Bass a little bit, and he started to realize that actually like getting into a little bit of the gay erotic or just getting into the idea of, of, of gay sexuality um, sort of turned him on a little bit. And mm. he actually, you know, his wife was like, what got into you? Like after he finished the book, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there was, there was a little sexy time. And, um, you know, so it's, I mean, I just, I love, I love that because I, you know, I'm, I'm pansexual. And so I enjoy kind of everybody exploring everything, but um, no, I mean, so t- tell me a little bit about as, as you sort of have that, that interest from outside of the quote unquote, you know, gay community. Um, do, did you have any straight guys and, and are you seeing a change even over the years that you've been working? Uh, well, like I said, I've been working that long. So, I mean, but I, I would say I have a lot of straight male friends who have always been kind of open to their sexuality and they identify as straight. So, you know, I have straight friends who've watched gay porn and been turned on by it. I mean, we all, we all, I mean, sex is sex. I mean, I've watched straight porn or lesbian porn even, and I might not want to have sex with those specific people, but if I see two people having sex, I mean, it's arousing uh, on some level. Um, when I was in Palm Springs, there was a uh, straight male actor whose name I will not reveal. Um, <laughs> he, he, came, I mean, he came up to me after the film and we were talking and exchanging compliments, you know, and he, uh, he thought that the, you know, gay bang, bang, gang, bang scene, um, in chaser, you know, first he said, well, it was very sexy. And I was like, Oh, thank you. And he was like, you know, I was, uh, I was kind of aroused by it. And, you know, that, that, you know, either, you know, he was stroking my ego maybe, but it was all, you know, he didn't have to go that far. So I, I imagine that he was telling the truth. And, you know, I think that's a really big compliment because, you know, we tried to make the film, you know, sexy and thought-provoking and all those things so yes Sal, he was not stroking your ego that scene was pretty hot and max has a nice <laughs> oh, <yeah>. ass <laughs> i will, I will uh, pass even that though, even though if it's a, a little blurry it's oh, still it nice was, ass. i saw it <laughs> <was really blurry. laughs> Oh, well, well, you see his, well, you see his ass very clearly when he's walking through the party but then yes. in the actual sex scene you don't really see it but yeah it's um we did it. We I like to think that it was tastefully done. It was tasteful, but I was kind of upset. I was kind of upset when he was walking up the stairs and he was holding their that that beer bottle. So oh, very strategically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was very. I mean, listen. He's a he's an actor. He's an up becoming actor, and he he right. has you know the sky's the limit for him. So mm-hmm. you know when we talked, we had very very long discussions about you know what what we wanted to do with the film in terms of the explicit nature of the sex scenes. And I really wanted to go much, much further. Um, Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we compromised and uh, my way of sort of compensating for the lack of, I mean, there is nudity in it, but there's not a lot of, you know, to use his word cock. There's not a lot of cock in the film. Yeah. So, I mean, my, the way that I compensated for that was by, you know, doing a very long take (laughs) that that was sort of like right in his face. So it's really explicit, but it's not, necessarily you know sexually his, explicit. His, yeah. his facial explicit. acting in that um, oh, yeah. was incredible oh, i mean just it, it was, was acting it was, it was really really yeah. good acting it's my favorite is hands down my favorite scene in the film and it's yes. you know there's no dialogue it's just sex. i mean <laughs> so. it's sometimes less is actually 
seeing less is actually more because it, right. it gives your imagination a nice workout because it was yeah it was really nice so well there's this whole movement right now especially in gay film to to really show it all you know so uh, on mm -hmm. one hand i really you know i'd love to to be part of that because i i understand i mean if it's done um with purpose and it serves the story i think it could be really powerful and i think it, it also sends a really strong message um in terms of um I don't want to say civil rights, but in terms of just there's a positivity, you know, gay, there's a positivity. Right. I mean, yeah, and I think that you know, this for, is natural. For this years is okay. Decades, we've seen so much straight sex and really explicit mm -hmm. straight sex in film. Hell yeah! And I, I think you know a lot. There's a lot of filmmakers right now who are part of this you know queer fringe movement that are mm -hmm. you know trying to push the envelope in terms of the you know nudity and sexuality. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just sex. That's how we all got here, right? So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it takes exactly, two to yeah. tangle, so yeah. But no, I, I really, yeah. Can you tell us, <laughs> do you, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm overstepping, but can you tell us a little bit more about uh, The Chaser, the film Chaser, what it's about, Sal? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, it's about a uh, young, promising gay school teacher who uh, he's sort of alienated from his conservative Jewish family and community, and he um seek solace in new york's barebacking scene so that's the uh that's the premise of the story and, and why the name chaser well chaser refers to uh, bug chasing which is the um is basically gay men seeking to be infected with the hiv virus so they actually are purposely having unprotected sex so they can be infected um and you know we that was sort of the germ of the idea no pun intended um and it's sort of evolved from there and the story isn't necessarily about a, a bug chaser per se i mean he he's obviously engaging in risky behavior but um it's really just about this one character and it's a slice of life and we wanted to explore i mean max and i talked about it and we we sort of were like what you know we wanted to work together again and he had this idea and i sort of had come to the same uh idea and we decided to do it together and um uh one of the things I mean, for me, I like to make films about things that I don't necessarily really understand. And this was something that fascinated me, uh, you know, bug chasing and unprotected sex in general. So we wanted to sort of explore the motivations behind the behavior. And we, you know, came up with a fictional character and um, sort of used that as a way to wrap our heads around um, this kind of behavior. Now, I think I found most interesting was the use of the poem. Um, and I know that, that you just kind of highlighted it. So uh, some audience members may not even be aware that that you've kind of highlighted this poem in there. But um, the the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock is what they're actually discussing in the uh, classroom scene. Yeah, the TSO. Yeah. yeah. The interesting thing about that is that I, I mean it matches up so well because there's sort of the almost destruction of love in this quote unquote love song, and then you have that same character who you know no he's not a bug chaser but he's definitely looking for a risk. He's looking for something to break whatever sure, it is yeah. that he's in. Um, yeah. Call it monotony, whatever you like. So um, when I mean, you were telling me a little bit earlier that you just sort of you, you've been liking this poem for a while, and then you've been working on the idea. When did the two sort of merge up? When did you realize that this would sort of be a great framing metaphor, almost? Um, well, I, yeah, I've always liked the poem, and I, I had written a novel, um, well, a draft of a novel that never really was finished, but several years ago, and it was called Proof Rock, which was based on a coffee shop. Um, it was a fictionalized coffee shop that was based on a real coffee shop in Lambertville, New Jersey, where I grew up. And, um, you know, my friends and I used to hang out there. So I known the poem and then in the coffee shop, they had like quotes from the poem on the wall. And it was, you know, a really 
cute little place. So that was really where it came from. And I had scenes in the novel, a classroom scene, um, very similar to the two that are in, um, in the film. So when we talked about this character, uh, Zachary Gold for Chaser, um, we decided we wanted him to be a teacher. So at that point I said, well, let me go back and see this stuff that I wrote and see if we could use it. And I started to read it and I'm like, wow, this is really perfect. And obviously I had to change a lot of it to make it fit the film. Um, but yeah, it was like the theme, I think the, the theme of self-destruction uh, has always fascinated me. And so that sort of obviously tied in directly with what we were doing with the film. But it wasn't until we were rehearsing with the students that it really, like really clicked for me how perfect it was for this character. And in the end, probably had I known that when I was writing the script, I probably wouldn't have done it quite so on the nose because it's just, it's too perfect. Um, but it wasn't really until I was rehearsing that I realized how, how connected the themes of the poem and the, the discussion that they're having relates to the character. So it worked out really well. I must say so that, you know, yeah. I, I love sex, but the, the classroom scene, kind of choked me up a little bit because it was oh, it yeah. kind of hit home a little bit for me too because it was like I said it was almost too perfect but it was I, it was I, I honestly I I think the, the students did really well especially that uh, that kid with the afro <laughs> wait <laughs> the, the kid, kid that, the one at the party or the one in the classroom, no, classroom. The, the, the one in the classroom that guy is awesome yeah he was funny yeah yeah Michael um he the one who's um whose whose story it is that they're talking about yeah 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 he's great i mean he's really really talented um and uh and he actually i unbeknownst to me like he drove i think i don't know where he was coming from like rutgers or something but he drove into new york city for the audition and then he drove wow. back for a call but, and he, he kept coming back and forth and i had no idea that he was doing that i thought he was just in the city so he was really dedicated he was really cool to work with i'd love to work with him again and yeah, he's really talented. Uh, he's really, really uh, talented, young, up and coming actor. Yeah. So. Can you go more into? Because uh, we had a question from Bill. One of your he um, donated to um, shout out to Bill. Donated to, to uh, Chaser on Kickstarter, I believe. He oh, wants right. to know yeah. how he and and I think some of your backers got to view the movie. He actually viewed the movie, and he loved it. Uh, but he wanted to know about the casting. How did it come about for for the roles? Uh, oh gosh. Um, well, Max was always on board, obviously. And, um, from there we just built it around, around him. I mean, people that he knew and that, that I knew, and then we did some, for the students, we had to do casting, um, which was interesting. Um, but, uh, specifically, he didn't, you know, just in general, he wants to know how we did casting or... I think he's asking about the uh, cute guy in the... Uh, system. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to step in. I'm going to step in. I'm going to read between the lines. I think everybody right. wants to know how you found the beautiful Ishmael. boy in the hall. Does, does he have a Twitter? Um, <laughs> he probably does, yeah. I mean, I can, I can check for you. Um, so Ishmael, yeah. Ishmael Cruz uh, Cordova. Oh, are you kidding? Call me Ishmael? All right, go ahead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He, um, we, I actually met him at, we did a huge fundraiser for Chaser with uh, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS in uh, March of 2012 when we were raising money for the film. And uh, we did it at the Players Club, which is this social club in uh, New York. Um, and so I met him there. He's a friend of Max. Uh, Max knows a lot of people. <laughs> so he was there and that's where I first met him. And then when we were talking about this character, I mean, I really wanted someone like someone smaller and younger and like cuter, not, I mean, like, he's adorable. 
Yeah, yeah, but but like but but in masculine way, and in my head, he was just this young black kid, you know. And I, mm -hmm. I it was important for me to, that I wanted him to be not of of Zach's tribe. I wanted him to be mm -hmm. not Jewish, not white, not you know, not have that same look of all the people that he has sex with throughout the film. Um, right. And uh, so I couldn't find him, and we wanted. Um, I really wanted the kid from Smash. And I couldn't get him. So then, um, you know, Max kept saying, well, let's let's try Ishmael. So we had him read and he was great. I mean, he has he, a great quality. He has beautiful eyes and which you don't yes, really get to see. You don't get I to see them as much. fitting very well. Like... Oh, he's perfect. I really he's really absolutely perfect for the part. And I couldn't have asked for a better actor for that role. And he um, really just him and and Max had a, had a great chemistry. And he was the right amount of, you know, and this character had to have a. a an element of innocence to him and he had just the right amount oh, yeah, of that. Like the, so the, yeah. going away and coming back before you give him a phone number like, yeah we don't want to give him. anything away we don't want to give anything away but i i i, I kind of like oh that was cute <laughs> was like, oh, no, yeah i mean nice. and those are those are some of my favorite scenes in the film as well i mean the whole second half of the film really is my favorite and part of the reason is because of those scenes with him and he um he was you know he's a, he's a also a, a really talented up-and-coming actor he was uh, i think he was a regular on the good wife and he is now i am told oh. um on sesame street which is the complete antithesis <laughs> of this um so i don't know if he's going to be thrilled that i'm like putting this out there like that but but yeah he you know he's a really versatile actor and um very very talented yeah love the fro love the fro Oh yeah, his hair is um, is beautiful hair. It's refreshing to see because I mean we talk about diversity. Uh, we had um, someone sent me an email a while back because I, I we all three of us we we write, and there's this big thing about there's not there not being a lot of diversity in in books, you know, and in novels and whatnot. So it's it's kind of refreshing to see a diverse cast in a film like this. So yeah, what you know, some people complain, well, there's only white people in gay films or. You know, or it's only black people. It's like, why can't we just have a film just with everyone, not just white and just black? You know. Well, you know, I think you write you write what you know, right? And I think that there's yeah. a lot of white, you know, filmmakers, just like there are a lot of male filmmakers. So I think that automatically that informs the type of films that we get. And you know, for me, when I'm writing characters, they tend to be the lead characters tend to be you know young white people or suburban, mm -hmm. where you know where I grew up. Um, but this film in particular obviously took place in New York City and, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a lot about, you know, because the character is Jewish and we talked a lot about tribe and, and religion and culture and I wanted, uh, just like the kid that, you know, just like Ishmael in the film where he ends up with this, you know, non-white guy or possibly ends up with this non-white guy. Um, I wanted the students, because he's an inner city teacher, so I wanted a lot of the students to be yeah, I want it to be a colorful classroom and have yeah. you know a lot of minorities in there, and because I think that that's realistic too. Yeah, it's not like France where it's just one hundred percent white. You never see right. a white person. Right. Although we, we did have a, I did actually have a French uh, a French kid in there actually at one point. So a nice big old rainbow. So yeah, it's uh, United Colors of Benetton or whatever they say. So. Coca Cola commercial. <laughs> yeah. What? Go ahead, Dio. I'm sorry. I didn't say anything, but I was about to. You're reading my mind now. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I just have to I have to say though, like the the scene that made me actually cringe, um, and I and and maybe I should have cringed at other stuff, but the scene that made me actually cringe was the one at the toilet at the urinal, 
Um, oh, right, in the, at the bar. Yeah, because okay. it's, I hate, I mean, I hate troughs. I just hate troughs, but I loved that scene. It was just But it's so not even, great. it's not a trough, though. It's a, there's actually, they're individual. Oh, they are, okay. Yeah, they're very low, though, so they might as well, and there's no, there's no, like, sort of barrier in between. Right, there was, so I think it was, yeah, there was a thing, there was no barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was definitely the no barrier. The camera work was really cool. I thought I was, like, going cricket like well, am i am i floating in the air i was just, i don't know what oh right yeah the dutch <laughs> angle i wanted to do that you know because you see that it's a very common thing i mean a lot it's like a film student thing to do but you see it in a lot of you know big hollywood films as well i mean to sort of create a sense of disease you know you sort of angle the camera but instead of just angling the camera i wanted to I wanted to move into that yeah. because he's sort of sinking and sort of you you know I wanted to sort of mimic his thought process you know he's in a public urinal and here's this guy next to him and they're checking each other out and so as he's deciding to go for it the camera sort of you know moves with his decision so that was sort of yeah you know, it was, something I, I mean it was classic do. it was great the subtext and and what I love most about um, a lot of the stuff in Chaser is that you didn't rely on dialogue you you know you really mm -hmm. relied on the actors um, portraying it in the moment, and that was that was really really great. Um, this is going to come out on Friday morning, so okay. I hope that you're sold out by then. But just in case, um, when is the actual Q Fest premiere for Chaser, and how do we go about getting tickets if they aren't sold out? Uh, it is at uh, 9:30 Sunday night uh, at uh, I don't know the theater, but if you go to our Facebook, which is facebook.com/chaserfilm. Um, you will see on the wall uh, the information to click on to buy the tickets, or you could just go to uh, QFest. I could actually look it up as I'm speaking to you right now. And yeah, um, I, think, I believe it, it just might just be QFest.com. QFest, or... yeah, it's QFest.com. And uh, if you go there and just you know search for Chaser, uh, the program that it's in is called uh, Cruising for Sex. So you could look it up that way as well. Um, I haven't seen any any of the other films um, well, Rob that are in from, the program. Rob from TLA, the guy who curated the whole set, uh, yeah. assures us that it's going to be a great set. Um, and he specifically highlighted Chaser as well. Awesome. So if you if you haven't heard of it before now and you're going to be there, then definitely don't leave. Make sure you watch Chaser because uh, you're getting that recommendation from both us and from TLA saying that this is going to be one of the films to catch at QFest. Right. And Max and I will both be there as well. So we would love to meet anyone who's listening and comes and, you know, come say hello to us. So... And uh, Sal, how do we keep up with your projects? What's the best way to find you online since Twitter's not necessarily your thing right now? No, I mean, I'm definitely on t Twitter's the most, um, I mean, my, I'm on Facebook, but uh, Twitter's the most public of my, you know, sort of perky social media things. Um, so I'm definitely on Twitter and uh, my website is salbardo.com. Uh, so um, there's information there about my films, the festivals that they're playing at and, you know, biography and all that stuff. But uh, Twitter and Facebook are great ways to, you know, keep in touch with me and or if you want to contact me, all the info is on my website as well. So, And is there anything you want to tease us with for any of your upcoming projects? Um, well, just, well, first of all, in terms of Chaser, after QFest, it's going to be playing um, in Hong Kong at the wow. Hong Kong Lesbian and Gay Film Festival. Yeah, I had a film that played there a couple of years ago. Um, and then after that, North Carolina Gay and Lesbian Film Festival on August 9th. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure, but I am working on a couple different feature film projects that may or may not start off as shorts. I'm not sure. I may really want to move to making features. And well, um, more, so I finish more my... reason for people to get you on Twitter so that they can keep up with all the details and uh, absolutely, yeah, and the other appearances on, uh, for Chaser. Yeah, I'm working on um, a feature called Pink Moon, and then uh, a couple other ideas that I'm sort of brainstorming. So.
This has been the Gay Sex Cast with your hosts, Evan J. Xavier, Dean Sage, and A.D. Cooper. Visit our website at GaySexCast.com. And don't you forget to hit that subscribe button, sexy.